0: Each episode should connect you with someone else's story, but also leave you with practical tips and advice that you can use in your own life and in your own business. Hi guys, we hope you had a beautiful International Women's Month. We get a lot of questions about glass ceilings, how they came to exist, and why society puts up barriers for women in the first place.
1: For those of you who weren't gender studies majors, we've put together this easy overview of the history of patriarchy in society, as well as what other options might look like and things we can all do to create a more equal society for all genders.
0: We hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, guys. So today we're going to talk about something super interesting to me. I love to talk about this. And me. And research this. <laughs> um, so some of you may have been women's history majors or gender studies majors, uh, whatever it is. A lot of us weren't. I certainly wasn't. Yeah. Um I studied design, I studied media and, you know, all that stuff. I never studied gender studies in university or any formal place. I kind of feel like I would have loved to have studied gender. Studies. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. So, but, you know, regardless of, of what your professional background is, it's always important to educate yourself, especially in matters that affect you,
1: mm. right? And that's what we've been doing this morning. We started educating <laughs> ourselves on, like, do you ever get that thing where you have like a random question pop into your head and you're like, why... Why is something the way that this is like? What? Why do things happen in a certain way? And today's question that popped into our heads was, why does the patriarchy exist? Like, how did that even come about? <laughs> like, was because there's there's some like, I don't know, kind of oppressive views of well, men are stronger than women, so like that's the reason why physically stronger, like, physically stronger, yeah. Oh. So that that's that's what I feel like would be the general kind of argument of why the patriarchy started to exist cuz it was like mm. men protect the women and protect the tribe and and all of this and like that was kind of my just like former belief like, yeah just not knowing anything about it just like looking at like history and making my own kind of yeah. assumption as to why it happened
0: so this has been a I won't say a lifelong study but I would say at least a decade-long study for me personally be, yes. like, like why yeah. these things exist in society and and what is fair what isn't fair how mm. we're breaking them down are we doing the right thing how to educate you know how yeah.
1: to but I don't know about example. you but I feel like when I just, like watch like anything that's like history-based yeah. with women or like like where women are oppressed in some way and I see like that's how it actually used to be throughout history like it's been so much worse than it is now and it's still not perfect or like completely equal now but we do have more of an egalitarian society but it like it makes me so mad like it's like (laughs) i feel anger inside me and like that's why there's a feminist movement and why people protest and like get take to the streets because of this anger feeling of the injustice of it yeah Um, for all types of reasons but especially sexism
0: yeah but i think so this episode we'd like to take a little bit of a step back so for those of you Mm -hmm. who haven't studied gender studies or even if you have um and just haven't thought about this in a while um, we'd like to talk about just in really layperson's terms, mm-hmm. you know, how did a patriarchal society emerge? Um, was it always this way? Mm-hmm. What is patriarchy, et cetera, et cetera and and how maybe we could be egalitarian again one day. Yeah. So huh. let's consider this. Let's start here. Homo sapiens. Right, us. human beings. <laughs> How old do you think we are? How long have we been roaming the
1: earth? Um, oh, well, over the Christmas break, I started reading Sapiens. Uh, so I should actually know this. <laughs> yeah, It's such a good book. Um, it was like uh, 200,000 or so yes! years ago. Yes, 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 yes. So
0: about 200,000 years ago in our current form, mm-hmm. right? We evolved many times before that, but um, theoretically speaking, But, um, yeah, so that's a long freaking time. A couple hundred thousand years, long freaking time. So how long has society been somewhat patriarchal?
1: Um, Well, I'm going to put my hand up again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Um, So this really surprised me, Mm -hmm. but... um... Is it around 12,000 years? Yes, yes, yes. That was yes. What we, yep. So let's go back for
0: a second. Let's just talk about what does patriarchy actually mean, right? Yes. Because I think there are a lot of misconceptions about the word. So patriarchy is any society where men are more likely than women to hold positions of power. And that could be social power, economic power, or political power. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that men are terrible, horrible, you know, yucky people who are trying to hold us down. Some no. might be, right? Yeah. But it just means that they've got an advantage, an unfair advantage
1: in society. Yeah. Right. Because of the way that our society has been constructed over thousands and thousands of years, and like yeah. the converse of this then would be a matriarchal society where uh, where women would have more like. Sway in social, economic, and political issues.
0: Right, mm-hmm. and so for for those women out there who might be listening to this and might be thinking, "Oh, but we can we can do we have the opportunity we we go to university at higher rates now, or we can do whatever." And you don't think that the patriarchy still exists? I would. The, my favorite um, kind of um, moment of clarity of this mm-hmm. is really. You know, think about our government Mm -hmm. in the U.S., right? Congress. What percentage of Congress is female? So as of January 3rd, 2021, there are 122 women in the U.S. House of Representatives, making women 27.2 percent of total U.S. representatives Guess what percentage of the population we are?
1: Uh, (laughs) Fifty-one. That's so
0: everyone who's (laughs) like, "Hey, we have women in Congress now." We don't have a proportion of women even close to equal the proportion that we we take up in society as Mm. human beings, right? So that is patriarchy. Men are more likely to hold those positions. We are not equal. We are still not equal. Mm-hmm. We just got a female VP, VP, vice president, not president, vice president. Mm-hmm. Right. And it is 2021.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: you know, we are one of the last, last countries in, in modern the modern world. There yeah. to to have a female leader of any sort.
1: Yeah, so I'm so I I'm so glad and so it's just so amazing that Kamala Harris is now VP and like we have a, a woman and a woman of colour as vice president in the US. Yep. But I did I did kind of take a moment to think like the first female prime minister in the UK was in like the seventies. Yeah. That was forty years ago. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, it's so interesting how it has taken this long mm. and and, like, the glass ceiling and and what it took to actually get to that point. But, yeah. obviously, it's great that there is progress and that we are seeing more women um, be involved in politics and, like, actual positions of power and have influence. Um, and it's slowly changing because mm. we are more aware of this and wanting to change and, and have more representation for women.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I personally... As an, a woman who grew up in America and who has now lived in different places in the world and traveled a lot of the world, I still think that America is – or I've come to realize more and more every year that America is one of the most patriarchal societies mm-hmm. in the world. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know – I've had
1: lots of conversations with people about why, but yeah. um, you know, it it really is. But in general, and this is what we kind of found from this like this research for this episode that we're doing, is that Western societies, although we think of ourselves as like the forerunners and at the forefront of technology and like yes. all of these amazing changes that are happening in the world, but actually Western societies are the most patriarchal as well. So how did this happen? Mm. Sylvia, do you know that happened? (laughs) Well, I was there at the time, so I can tell you. (laughs)
0: Sylvia is 12,000 years old. (laughs) And that's the twist. Uh, Uh, Plot um, twist. (laughs) So hunter-gatherers. We used to be hunter-gatherers. Human beings, for the majority of history, Mm -hmm. were hunter-gatherers. What does that mean? That means that we relied on mobility to sustain ourselves. All right? Yeah. So basically— the practice of the hunter gatherer lifestyle is to move around, mm-hmm. right? Move with the the seasons in order to either hunt to sustain us or to gather, right? It's super simple. And in this society, there was actually egalitarian partnerships. Really? Yes. So what did that mean? That meant that when a man and woman came together, mm-hmm they could either choose to live with her tribe or with his. Yeah. It was both choices were equal.
1: Wasn't there also the um, the fact that, like, you didn't always know who was the father of the children? Because, <laughs> That's another theory. So, like, as a society, like, the tribes mm-hmm. would all take care of each other in an equal way and there was no kind of ownership of, like, family units. It was kind of the tribe yes. altogether.
0: So in some tribes you would have, um, you know, more... Uh, sexual openness. Mm -hmm. So you'd have maybe multiple partners instead of just one. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, all of the... It was the tribe's children, right? Like, the mothers would all help each other, um, care for young children. The men wouldn't necessarily know which kids were theirs and which technically, biologically, I guess, and which were not. And, you know, everybody would take care of everyone. There were some tribes like that. Mm -hmm. So what that meant was... You know, if you were a mom and you just had a little baby and your milk dried up and you couldn't feed it, you just hand it to the next mom. Yeah. And there you go.
1: And survival. And I guess it worked because we, we <laughs> because are here, here. we are.
0: Hundreds <laughs> of thousands of years, this kind of thing worked. And, you know, societies were different all over the world, but uh, they were basic hunter-gatherer societies. So they were living from the bounty of the earth. They were only taking what they needed. They were moving with the seasons, and they were egalitarian. And the other really important thing about being in egalitarian partnerships between men and women mm. was that if someone was abusive or oppressive— the woman had the power to leave. Really? She could go back to her tribe if she was in his tribe. Or they'd already be in her tribe because they chose to live with her tribe. Yeah. And so, you know, this guy would have a, a much harder time being <laughs> being crappy to her yeah. <laughs> amongst so, her people.
1: It's honestly so interesting because then, like, how did it go from that, which seems kind of like hmm. what we're trying to get back to now, 12,000 years later. It
0: comes down to corn and beans. <laughs> really.
1: <laughs> what, what do you mean? Yeah.
0: Wait, so, what? Basically, um, we, I don't think evolved is the right word. No. Us human beings, we went from being hunter-gatherers to living in agrarian societies.
1: Okay, so agrarian is like agriculture and like yes. farming and having land. And, yes. Okay. Yeah. So
0: instead of living with the earth and with the seasons of the earth and from the earth we began to think that we owned the earth. Mind shift, yeah. plot twist. Yeah, yeah. This is a massive plot twist where people owned plots of land, right? Mm-hmm. And communities and economies were based on producing and maintaining resources and goods from that land, right? Mm-hmm. And once we shifted from, like, kind of living with the land and moving on and nobody owns anything, we're, we're sharing the earth, yeah. to owning plots of earth – Um, men owned all kinds of things, including women. (laughs) So um, that became the norm, right? So when a a woman married, instead of them choosing, hey, where where do we want to live, you know, whatever, she would take his name and she would move onto his land. And
1: that's all to do with, like, the land being passed down through, like, the family lineage. So that you would acquire wealth, I guess, and, like, basically keep that. Going, that going, that ownership of the land going, so that you could feed your family.
0: Yes, and okay. this is where paternity became really important, right? Because they wanted to know who they wanted to pass the land to. Yeah. And they passed it to sons. Mm-hmm. So you'd marry a woman if you were a guy. Yeah. She'd take your name. She would come and keep your homestead nice. Mm-hmm. And she her job was to produce sons for you. So you'd have a lineage of to which you could pass your land and resources. Mm-hmm. So you're basically cattle. <laughs> <laughs> For hundreds of years, we were cattle. Yeah.
1: And it's still kind of like, there's like the whole dowry system that was kind of prevalent. Oh, man. And like, that still <laughs> sort of happens there as well, doesn't it? Does it? Yeah. Mm, in, I- in India, there's still like some like dowry systems that occur.
0: We're going to have to break that down because I don't understand how that works. I've never studied that. But yeah, add insults injury, your family has to pay the dude mm-hmm. to marry you in the first <laughs> place. Like, come on. <laughs> um, so that you can then like enter his house, give up your name and heritage and just get to producing some sons. Um, But yeah, that so that's basically the way that women lived for a very, very, very long time. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I get asked all the time or people you know people who work in this space or talk about these kinds of things get asked why does this matter now mm. right like why does this matter How? well men don't own us now
1: <laughs> why Wait, does- what but it's like the reason why our society now is the way that it is like it's why like when we get married we take no like it's still normal to take a husband's name like i just took my husband's name but mm-hmm. when we had this like huge discussion about it like what what are we gonna do, but we want a shared family name. Mm-hmm. And then it was just kind of like, Oh well I'll take your name. What if you had liked the sound of your name more? Would he have taken yours? Um I don't know. He we did discuss doing a double barrel. Mm-hmm. We didn't like the I they didn't like the sound of a double barrel name. Yeah. We just didn't like just wasn't something that Eva has really liked. I quite like his name, but it did. I really like struggled with it, mm. and I really struggled with the idea of being given away at a wedding. Mm. Um, and I had an elopement, so that didn't even like come into play. But like, there's so many rituals in marriage that are still kind of this patriarchal, um, like you know, giving giving a woman away as property. Yeah, asking permission to marry. Like, like a lot of people are like, oh, it's so lovely and traditional. In my opinion, (laughs) I find that really problematic that you should, like, get permission from a father to be able to marry. Well, even the
0: white dress being associated with virginity, like a woman's, um, you know. Like
1: purity. Yeah, her purity
0: was equal to her value for a very long time so that you knew that if she had babies, they had to be yours.
1: If you break it down, like all of these kind of traditions that we think are like so beautiful are actually like steeped in the patriarchy and like stuff that we've just come to accept. Mm-hmm. So I think it's I think it's important to keep questioning. And it and doesn't to, like, mean
0: that you can't take your husband's
1: name. Yeah.
0: But you have to make the conscious decision and kind of know where things lie, right? Yeah. And that's so you can you can decide, you know, what traditions and what what is worth it for me to keep yeah and what do i not want to keep yeah in my life yeah you know or what do i even want to kind of work to change in society So I, um, I don't know if any of you know this, but my name is not really Brown. My last name is not really Brown.
1: Secrets coming out. Yeah. I
0: um, <laughs> kept my ex-husband's last name even yep. after we were divorced because it was my children's name.
1: Yeah. And you want to – it's the family unit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so I look at it as having my children's name. Yeah.
1: That's, yeah. that's a good way of yeah. it. Yeah.
0: But the, the interesting thing – so, okay. So we talked about how in hunter-gatherer society – women were free to leave. Mm-hmm. They were equals, you know, they could live with either tribe, et cetera. And then once we changed, an agrarian society, it became more patriarchal, and women joined the man tribe, if you will, mm-hmm. his, his homestead, and took his name and kind of gave up her own identity in order to fulfill his legacy. So we think of that as being like a really old thing, like, oh, it hasn't been like that forever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, technically... You know, men haven't owned women in a very long time in the same way. Mm-hmm. But it was just with the legacy of Ruth Bader Ginsburg that yeah. women could get access to the things that they needed to actually leave a husband if they wanted to. Yeah. So there were are small ways that you could still hold a woman back. Even when you're saying, oh, yeah, you can leave. You can divorce your husband. We're not going to make it illegal for you to divorce your husband. Mm -hmm. Well, what if you could leave, but you couldn't get a credit card without your husband's permission? Yeah. So then your husband has something to hold over you, Mm -hmm. right? Well, you're going to have no access to money. Well, you don't have an education. You don't have your own career. You can't get a credit card. You can't, you know, get your own mortgage. You can't this and that. So women like Ruth Bader Ginsburg – Mm -hmm. fought for these rights for women Mm -hmm. and just got them passed in the mid 70s
1: yeah that is not that long ago guys i know that is just crazy to me
0: (laughs) yeah yeah so you have to be really cognizant about how long these patriarchal practices were in place and how long we were oppressed in these different ways yeah so that you can notice the ways that women are still oppressed and the ways that we're still breaking through
1: yeah definitely So I thought, like, that it was really interesting to, like, think about how in the Western society we've been used to this patriarchy. Yes. And then I was wondering, Mm -hmm. are there any matriarchal societies in the world? Like, surely, like... Where women naturally have more power? Yeah, because it just made me think, like, surely... Because it isn't, like, the natural order of things. It's just the way it's been. It's just the way that it has been. Right. But it doesn't mean that it is the way it is and. I have found that there are still, to this day, matriarchal societies that have actually been thriving for centuries and centuries. And they are based all over the world, but they are actually mainly more indigenous tribes. So they mm. live in like their own kind of pockets. And there's And are the, these tribes hunter-gatherer? Um there's like some, yeah, I guess huh. so. In yeah, they probably are like or maybe living more in in tune with your... more in tune with the earth. Yeah, definitely. Huh. Interesting. Um, like there's the tribe um in I think that's how I'm pronouncing it properly is Mosuo in China, mm-hmm. and they're in, they practice Tibetan Buddhism, and they're a matriarchal tribe because their lineage is traced through all the women in in the family. Yeah. So like for property, so they do, do still have like land ownership and property, but it's just passed down the female line, and they don't marry. So, like, it's more like based on like women, like raising the children and like having the property and stuff like that. (laughs) So, and that's like happening. These days, and there's there's still around forty thousand people in this in this particular tribe. There's a few other examples as well. The most interesting one um, that I found is the Umoja tribe in Kenya, and yeah. this is a tribe that was founded in 1990. And um, what Umoja means is unity in Swahili, and it's basically a village where women who have experienced sexual or gender-based violence can come to, and there's literally no men allowed in this village. It's just all women, and they <laughs> and they just, like, look after each other yeah. and all live together in, in a place of, of peace. And so they, they can feel safe. Yeah. That makes so much sense. I know, but it also makes me so sad because it's kind of like they've formed this tribe as a, as a response to this patriarchal, like, belief that men have power over women and can, and can do just what they want. sexual violence towards them as a way of displaying their power. Yeah. Um, wow.
0: Yeah. I mean, the thing about that is trauma from these things is so prevalent and sometimes takes an entire life to mm. recover from. Yeah. An entire lifetime. So they basically created a safe space where, if this trauma exists, you can come in this land of women, if you will, village yeah. of women, <laughs> and be safe.
1: But what do you think is then like the best way, obviously we want an egalitarian society because like with matriarchal societies, it's just like the same thing where like there's like property ownership and like all right. of this goes through like the women. Right. So how does an egalitarian society exist in like a like dystopian future or just like hopefully in the next like years? <laughs> yeah, is
0: like, it dystopian? Uh, it
1: feels like it. <laughs> yeah,
0: sometimes. Um. I, well, here's the thing about feminism and about, you know, female empowerment that I think often goes misunderstood. Mm-hmm. And it's like it, most women that I know who fight for women's rights and empowerment, they are not looking for a world or to create a world where women dominate men. No. They're looking to create a world where equal opportunities and an equal power structure exists for all genders.
1: So obviously – we don't want to have like a kind of split we want to have equality and like what real equality is yeah. and it's not something that I think we can be like oh in the future hope we'll have equality like we want to actually like make it happen now work so, towards it yeah like yeah what are in your opinion like some ways that we can achieve that so we talk a lot about, like,
0: taking our husband's name, right? Like, this really has nothing to do with a name, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. We've talked a lot about it as a symbol of men owning women. But really, it doesn't matter whose name you take. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more about how you choose to live your life every day, Yeah. right? So, like, the first thing is if we think about, um, you know, the the layoffs in the U.S. specifically due to the pandemic, um. Women were laid off in droves compared to men. I yeah. think in the month of December it was like one hundred and fifty six k, yeah, women being laid off and men actually gained jobs. Really, the same month you're gonna you guys are gonna have to Google that, but yeah, it was a really really bad. Women were losing work at a much faster rate, um and. Part of that is due to the fact that women, women's jobs are still seen as expendable mm. in a lot of situations, right? Like, it's okay she could just be a stay-at-home mom, mm. or you know, or they're they're doing the majority of the household work mm. while also bringing in income
1: into the family. Yeah. Do you know what? Do you know what's crazy? What? Um, this is a, a, a 4 stat. Yes. Women accounted for 100% of the labor market's first month of job losses in last May, in huh. 2020.
0: As the COVID pandemic yeah. began. Yeah. yeah.
1: Wow. That's absolutely insane, isn't it?
0: Yeah. So we're, we, our gender is losing jobs faster. We are taking up more of the household responsibility. Our jobs are be ta- being taken less seriously, mm-hmm. right? So... That in and of itself is a problem to fix. That is how we start to to solve and become a more equal society is by taking, regardless of our gender, taking our jobs just as seriously, you know, Yeah. As
1: men. So I feel like it all starts in the home mm-hmm. and it's kind of like a bottom-up thing where, like, for, when you work from the bottom, you get up to the top because we actually need, like, some laws to change. Some laws are changing and it's becoming more favourable. But yeah. what's actually... Like needs to change as well is like the societal norms that we've practiced over generations of, for example, like the household chores, yes, kind of not being shared like as equally. So as women, what we need to be kind of demanding change in is the fact that it, with your partner, you're not expected to be the like cleaning and, and cooking, for example, or looking after the kids. Your expectation of a partner is that you're doing it together. And, yeah. and and like setting that expectation and as a generation we need to keep setting the expectation and that's going to be a bit of a struggle sometimes I think <laughs> because of the way that it's an ingrained belief that yeah. we should have that not even that we should but that we do sometimes take more of the chores but I, I don't think that that is how it is in every relationship and we need to start having setting expectations that actually like Every adult living in a house has the same responsibility for the upkeep of that house. And as a male, you don't help your wife with the household chores. You're contributing to the house. And it's just like change in language. Right. Well,
0: and and attitude and disposition. Mm -hmm. But the thing about it that we have to keep remembering, we are the first, and by by we, I'm talking to millennials. There are a lot of millennial listeners. Mm -hmm. Um, But millennial women... Um, and some Gen X women are really the first um, generation to really completely break the norm to the point where just as many women are being, or more now actually, are being educated mm-hmm. at the university level. You know, um, women are starting to <laughs> out earn their husbands a lot more mm-hmm. than they used to. So it's it was a shift that has been happening for a long time, but it's now super prevalent, yeah. right? So, like, at at this point, you know for us to be you know working this hard on our careers and and in some cases bring in more to the family household at, like when it comes to finances or at least an equal share like w- for us to be doing all of the housework as well mm-hmm. is just insane that's yeah. an insane thing like <laughs> what like what 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 could be expected there
1: yeah. I also think, like, there's, like, really, like, subtle ways that there's not equality for men and women um, in, like – and you must be conscious of this as well yeah. – being um, pregnant is that, like, there's not equal baby-changing facilities – That's true. That's true. Um, They're always in women's bathrooms, right? And there's like this kind of just expectation that like the woman will take the baby and change the baby, and that is so unfair on men. If you're a single dad for whatever reason, or you you are just split up and you're looking after the kids, or if you
0: just want to be an equal contributor to your parent kids yeah all like yeah you don't have to be single you don't have to be split up you, you just your dad yeah period, it's, it's, period. It's, like you're, exactly. you're an active and involved dad who takes yeah. care of their kid like you should be able to change your kid too yeah yeah and that's sexist towards men and women right so it's like yeah. a little thing in society that creates an expectation yeah
1: so we need to advocate for equality in those situations and making sure that that's how we can have full equality of like sharing like raising kids and having like like having household chores I think it's really interesting how I've noticed a notice a shift in advertising Mm. and I think this is really great is that nowadays you see a lot more like domestic products actually um, they use men in the ads. yes so like someone's doing the washing at home sometimes it's the dad Sometimes it's the mum. But it yes. used, when I was growing up, it always used to be always white not. woman with smiley face, of tiny waist, oh, and like <laughs> just yeah. brushing and mopping and, and looking really happy about it. Looking and happy. <laughs> and
0: then somehow she's still got a perfect body yeah. after having like three kids and she's got her makeup on too. And it's, a blow dry. Yeah, and a perfect blow dry. Yeah. R- weird. Weird, <laughs> huh? Another huge, huge thing is proper support for families. Mm-hmm. Right? So basically If women are not guaranteed maternity leave benefits, they're going to be held back in their career. Mm -hmm. If families do not have proper support with childcare, the woman is going to bear the brunt of that burden, Mm -hmm. right? She's going to be the one who has to give up her job in a lot of scenarios. So, you know, having an infrastructure whereby you are not properly supporting families really holds back women. Yeah, that is a huge thing that we can fight for and advocate for, regardless of where we live. Is the proper support for families and parents mm-hmm. in general, right? Yeah. Um, the other thing is um, crisis um, ab- advocacy for support for women in crisis. Okay. Situation. So, yeah. domestic violence. No one should ever be in a situation where they can't afford to leave an abuser, mm-hmm. right? Or they can't afford to leave even an emotionally or mentally abusive relationship.
1: That's it, because domestic violence isn't just physical violence. It's also, like, coercive behavior or manipulative language and, and emotional abuse. Like, there's so many different levels. Yeah. Um, and... It is domestic violence, although, like, you don't want to admit it. Like, it is, like, when someone is like that. So, I think that's quite hard to deal with.
0: Their Abuse comes in many, many forms, but mm-hmm. the idea is that when women don't have those resources, right, like when we aren't offering them shelter, when we are offering that in the most extreme situations, when we are offering them assistance, if they have to leave with young children or something in tow, mm-hmm. you know, we are trapping them in potentially dangerous situations, whether it's mentally dangerous, physically dangerous, emotionally dangerous, we're trapping them.
1: Yeah. So how do we like kind of sort that out because that like, some, some of these actions are like individual levels that you can like actually deal with in your own life and then some are more like systema- systemic kind of things that well, you have to vote for.
0: For those <laughs> of you living in a democracy, which is yeah. most of you, voting. So yeah. and here's the here's the kicker, right? You cannot just vote for a woman assuming that she supports these issues. Mm -hmm. And that's the hard thing. So there are women candidates that – will seek to, like, strike funding for domestic violence shelters or, or things like that. So really dig in, do your research. If you care about supporting women in society and you care about these things, make sure that you are heard with your vote. Mm-hmm. And we talk about voting all the time. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about it, especially right before the election. But it's really important to actually do your research before you vote and understand the implications of that vote. Yeah. And the last thing. You have to be
1: actively anti-sexist.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What does that mean? I'm putting my hand up. Um, <laughs> Do it. It means calling out bullshit chauvinist attitudes. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does. So basically, you,
0: you know, just as we need to be anti-racist and actively, actively say, "Hey, that's not okay." Here's why it's not okay. I'm against that. I don't support that. When yeah. we hear people around us doing and saying bad things, we need to do the same thing with sexism, yeah. right? We cannot keep silent people, belittle women. Like, no. we cannot do it or belittle you as a woman in a way that's particularly misogynist or sexist. Like, you're allowed to stop and say, hey, that's not OK.
1: Yeah.
0: Here's why that's not OK. You don't have to apologize for yourself. You don't have to, you know, um, ignore it. You don't have to be sweet about it. You don't even have to smile. Yeah. (laughs) You don't have to say, oh, that's okay. You didn't mean it. You don't have to do any of that. Yeah. But you do have to stand up for yourself because every single time you stand up for yourself, you are standing up for all women. And that is a Maya Angelou quote, not mine.
1: (laughs) I love that. Yes, it's true. Yeah, it's true. And I also think you don't have to make someone feel comfortable about the fact that they made you feel uncomfortable.
0: Exactly. <laughs> we have this, I think, it's just as people pleasing like yeah. habit as women, right? Where we're like, oh, you really shouldn't have said that, but that's okay. I know you didn't mean it. You don't have to say that. You could say, hey, that makes me really uncomfortable. You really shouldn't say that. Here's why.
1: Yeah. And then you could just leave it at that. And maybe they did mean it. Why are we apologizing? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and why are we apologizing even if they didn't? Because if they
0: don't feel uncomfortable, they probably are less likely to change that behavior. Yeah. It's okay for other people to feel uncomfortable when you point out that they've done something wrong to you. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Yeah. And that's it.
1: Well, this is a very powerful episode for me. I'm, really really happy that we dug into up. this this year yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we can be a more equal society we're becoming more and more of one every day but it takes all of us to be strong and stand up for ourselves to become the kind of egalitarian place that we want to be
1: thank you for listening
0: thanks guys and
1: happy end of the international women's month Woo! this podcast was brought to you by invoice to go we're an invoicing and billing app that helps business owners work and get paid from anywhere at any location around the globe. And we're helping close the gender-based pay gap because the current US gender-based pay gap sits at around 19%. Listeners of the Female Founders Network podcast will get exactly 19% off of any subscription. Just use the code EMPOWERWOMEN at checkout.